Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 396. You know, recently, Royal Caribbean has been able to slowly get back to restarting cruises, but in some unusual places, Singapore, Barbados, and now Israel. What does this all mean? This week, I wanted to break down this trend, coincidence, whatever you want to call it, and talk about where the industry is heading while most ships still remain shut down. Here we go. With the cruise industry starting to get back up on its feet, while cruises out of North America and largely Europe, although there are still some European sailings going, are still kind of out there, there has been a trend that seems to be developing, and that is cruise ships starting really anywhere they possibly can. And to help me talk about what's happening these days with with this kind of, again, I don't want to know if it's a trend or just a large coincidence, we'll get into the grammatical correct choice of the word later on is uh, Ashley Kashulik of cruise.blog. Ashley, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you back on here. And, you know, boy, I think if you went back to the week that we we talked a couple weeks ago, I mean, you know, maybe a month or two ago at this point, and boy, the world has changed a lot since then. It has. I think think the last time I was on was when we talked about the conditional sale order. Yes. I think in November, yeah, after the, the CDC's no sale was lifted and they implemented all those recommendations that the lines are now scrambling to implement. Yeah, and and boy, a lot has changed, and a, but there's been a lot of more positivity, I think, today um, looking at it. Yeah. And we're starting to see, you know, the cruise industry starting to come back a little bit, right? You know, we've, we've known about quantum of the seas out of Singapore. And, yep. you know, since then, Royal Caribbean also announced grandeur of the seas will sail out of Barbados later this year, another uh, this is actually a port that Royal Caribbean really hasn't sailed from at all. And then, uh, actually, this week, Royal Caribbean announced that its brand new cruise ship, Odyssey of the Seas, will sail from Israel and offer cruises exclusively from there to uh, the Greek islands and Cyprus. And, you know, actually, it struck me as interesting because, again, I don't know if it's a trend per se, but it's certainly not, it's hard to overlook the fact that we're seeing the cruise lines basically trying to eke out where what they can where they can and certainly Royal Caribbean doing this and you know it's kind of interesting to me to see this because these are I don't know do you think these things would have happened out let's say let's say COVID never happened right um boy that'd be great um (laughs) (laughs) you know like would we have seen a Royal Caribbean cruise ship sailing out of Barbados would we have seen a Royal Caribbean cruise ship sailing out of um Israel would we have seen you know these kind of non- traditional cruise port sailings. What do, you, what do you think about all this? No, I don't think we would have seen it. I mean, I think we would have continued to see them as, as ports of call along the way. But um, the fact that they're now becoming home ports, I think, really speaks to, as you said, the cruise lines kind of having to pivot um, with how they handle this. They are finding new ways to get these idle cruise ships sailing again, which is wonderful. And it does kind of go back to the whole concept of bubble cruising, where mm-hmm. they're limiting the people who are able to sail to a very specific geographic location and on top of that are now saying things like with Odyssey, for example, um, I believe you just covered it on the blog earlier today that uh, passengers who sail out of Israel, um, they have to be Israeli, but they also have to be vaccinated, which is a big, um, mm. that's a big uh, announcement uh, in a sense because Royal hasn't yet taken a stance on whether that will also be the case for North Americans when they start sailing here again. Yeah, that that's a big. If this were if this were a TV show, Ashley, I'd say 
after the break, we'll talk about whether or not we think that'll be the case. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean no. to jump ahead. No, 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 that's good. Because that is really, a, that's going to be, uh, that's really one of the big questions out there. And actually this week again, uh, Royal Caribbean Group Chairman and uh, CEO Richard Fain said they haven't made a decision yet. And there's a lot of speculation out there about will they or won't they require it, the vaccine that is for, for everybody. But you're right, in Israel, they are requiring the the residents there do that i mean that's not much of a stretch because like i think israel has the highest percentage of vaccinations among their population already so you know that's not they're in a little bit of a different league than we are here in the u.s which is still obviously going better and better every day which is great but um you know it's it's interesting to me that when you're looking i mean singapore is a great example of this um i feel like at least with royal caribbean and i'd love to hear your thoughts on the rest of the industry as well I think what they're looking for are the safe bets. This is what this trend is really about because Royal Caribbean said, you know, at the time they canceled uh, the sailings, they had the scheduled sailings for quantum in Alaska in favor of keeping quantum longer in Singapore. In the case of Odyssey, they canceled the European season for Odyssey in favor of keeping now putting her in Israel to offer guaranteed sailings. Sure. This may not be the most lucrative um, potential money-making system like as opposed to like you know obviously those alaska or european sailings but it's a sure bet and at these days some money is better than no money exactly that's exactly right and i think um as you said there have been a lot of developments uh since november and and one of them um regarding alaska is is the fact that canada has closed its borders to cruise ships through february of next year so Um, some of the lines have had to readjust if they had plans to put ships in that area in the example of quantum, they're now able to keep it in Singapore because they haven't quite made it official yet, but it's looking less and less likely that a lot of these sailings to Alaska will be happening. Um, and I, I do think that they are looking for shore bets, as you said, um, I, I know I was chatting with you about this a little earlier, but um, just today, MSC, which has been sailing in Europe since the summer of 2020, just announced that MSC Seaside is going to be repositioning to do sailings in the Mediterranean uh, starting, I believe, in, I believe it's sometime soon, maybe April, mm-hmm. May, sometime coming up. Um, but what's interesting there is talking about shore bets. The ship was designed for North American passengers, and the line made a, a big deal of kind of reiterating that over and over. And now it's repositioning away from North America out of necessity because the line has seen success with the sailings that it implemented last year. And with how much is at stake when the lines resume operations, they know they have to get it right. So shore bets are just that short bets they want to do what's safe right now because if one thing goes wrong it could really set the industry back yeah no absolutely i mean it, there's no doubt that they're moving in that direction and it's interesting to see you know what what are the other uh you know options that are going to be there because you know i'm sure every cruise line out there is looking at okay where can we at least get something moving in the right direction there and I, I think that there's going to be a lot of uh more changes coming whether or not the royal caribbean or not that that remains to be seen you know, one of the things I've always, speaking of what MSC has been doing in Europe, you know, their cruises have been, they've been operating in Europe, but they're not offering traditional cruises. They've been offering cruises, uh, I believe it's, correct me if I'm wrong, MSC has been sailing out of Italy for only Italians, Two has yes. been out of Germany for only Germans. Yep. So that's kind of part of that trend as well, if you, if you think about it that way. 
Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of that going on. Um, there's talk of perhaps when some of the major cruise lines resume sailings for North Americans that they will include a lot of stops at private islands and kind of just keep it to that general Bahamas kind of area. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised we haven't seen that starting yet. Um, I don't know specifically what the laws are, but I know that a lot of cruise ships are registered in the Bahamas. So hmm. um, it's just interesting to me that they haven't leveraged that. Yeah, um, I've, I've always assumed I've always assumed the reason for that is just simply the Bahamas doesn't have infrastructure. I mean, you've been in Nassau as many times as I have. And right, right. It's, it's just a, I mean, they have a large amount of docking facilities, but they don't have like embarkation terminals. You know what I mean? Like security True. and they just have some lady sitting on a stool who checks your your seatbelt card, <laughs> and that's about it. It is so. very true. They would they would definitely have to uh, use the smaller ships that they have. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I I did not consider. I know carnivals. A lot of is a carnivals fleet. A lot of ships are based in Nassau, and maybe it's Royal Caribbean's as well. Um, they are foreign flagged, and Nassau is one. So that's a good point. Um, I didn't really consider that aspect of it, but I think it's more of the facilities aspect. That's why there's the there's been that rumor floating around that Cozumel wants to build this giant cruise port, which I don't see happening, by the way. I, I just don't think right. they're still building the pier, number one. Number two, I think because there's so much momentum right now with with the vaccine and, you know, uh, I think optimism that cruises are going to restart here in the U.S. some point this summer, fall, who knows. But yep. the, the timing, Cozumel would only work, I think, if, like, you know, the cruise industry gets shut down for, like, a year. Like, they, like, they pull a Canada and they're like, we're not doing cruises until, you know, 2022. In that case, okay, now you're opening up that door to that possibility. Right. But um, it's, you know, the other thing I noticed about looking at the Royal Caribbean thing, in the case of Grandeur and Odyssey, they do have something in common besides the fact that, um, you know, they're sailing now from different ports, is that they were kind of cruise ships without a home. You know, Grandeur was supposed to be sold off um, yep. to, uh, or transferred, everyone look at it, to Pullman that didn't happen, obviously, because Pullman went out of business. And mm -hmm. then they never did anything. They never rescheduled Grandeur. Um, Odyssey, obviously, was supposed to go to you know Europe, and that didn't happen, obviously, because of everything there. So there's a little bit of that. I mean, Quantum, the hand was forced a little bit with the, with the whole Alaska ban there, but that's maybe part of it. I guess the, I'd be curious to see, Ashley, if they take now other ships that have more established schedules, you know, that you can clearly see what they are, and rearrange them. What do you think about that possibility? I don't see why they wouldn't do it eventually. If it, if it takes much longer for mm -hmm. things to restart, I think I think they'll have to. Um, yeah, just so, along the lines of of kind of dealing with what they're given. Um, right. It's interesting I, to think about the you know because of course as you know um, you can't just you know put a cruise ship out on sale for like two weeks and fill it up. It doesn't quite work <laughs> that way traditionally cruise ships are sailings are put on sale for years and yeah. you know eventually they may or may not sell out but um that that's kind of an interesting and they did that with quantum by the way they did cancel when quantum restarted in singapore they canceled their entire season whatever they had and then opened up new bookings new sailings uh for singaporean residents and that seems to have actually worked well there's a lot of evidence according to royal caribbean that their sales have been excellent um for that so Maybe because, yeah. you know, instead of, you know, redoing this 26 ships at once, you've got one or two and that can work perhaps, um, you know, that that's that's a big and then the other thing. And going back to something you talked about earlier, Ashley, the conditional sale order and the limited capacity. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've got cruises that have been on sale now for two years, how are they going to police the issue of, you know, main, the ship can only sail half full and they've already sold, 
I don't know, I'm making up numbers here now, 80% of the ship. Right. 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 Do you just randomly boot people off and say, sorry, we're we're not going to let you sail, but we're going to let some of these other people sail. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't even imagine how they'd figure that out. Right. Right. And and especially if you were part of like a group booking or something, what if half of your group got canceled and the other half didn't? And it just I, I feel my heart goes out to whoever handles logistics for these cruise lines because my head is ready to explode thinking about it for five minutes. (laughs) Um, But back to your question about whether we could see the lines canceling some of these um, itineraries that, that ships have already been assigned in favor of, of moving the ships elsewhere from a logistical standpoint, I feel like it would make the most sense for them to, reassign ships that generally do longer sailings because the CDC has limited ships to voyages of seven nights or less when, when, when things resume, um, that may have already been done. They may have already canceled all those sailings. I'm not sure, but it also stands to reason that the longer a sailing is, um, the, smaller the number of total sailings for a ship will be so there will be fewer people affected mm-hmm. when the ship is reassigned but i mean i don't know i don't know how they figure all of that out i'm sure there's a lot of legal stuff involved too with having to cancel with one port and make sure there's availability at another port oh and sure it's just it blows my mind yeah. <laughs> that there are you know people who oversee all this because I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, th- that's probably one of the biggest, uh, it's not a misconception, but probably the easiest overlooked detail about cruise planning is it's not like, you know, picking a different parking spot at the target parking lot where you'd be like, oh, that spot's open over there. I can just move over there instead. Like, you know, sh- cruise ship spots are locked up years in advance in terms of ports. It's a very limited space and you can't just decide, you know what? We're not going to go to Cozumel. We're actually going to go to Nassau instead and kind of go there. Right. There has to be availability for you. You can't just show up. There's a cost also associated with that um and so that makes it even more difficult to try to figure out you know and and unlike singapore where you can just cruise around and go nowhere they they can't do that here in the u.s right right and and that's uh because it's against uh, u.s law to to offer cruises to nowhere and there's a great article that ashley wrote about why that's illegal there's your (laughs) there's your uh there's your little tease if you want to go figure out why thank you yeah so it's over there in cruise (laughs) blog check it out um you know, it, it, it's kind of a it it, beca- it makes the problem even more difficult because I think that if you could offer cruises to nowhere in the U.S., I think it'd be a va- vastly different scenario that we'd be looking at. Although, to your point earlier, you know, a cruise that goes to you know Perfect Day, Coco Key is pretty much the same difference. It's just you know, um, right? And, and and I believe in the conditional sale order. Actually, no, I'll take that back. That was the um, the healthy sail panel recommendations. Those seventy four recommendations were yep. to go to private islands because they're just they're controlled environments. It's it's. It's an extension of the cruise ship in in a lot of cases. Yes. Um, And again, like I don't, that could be the answer to my question earlier about why the lines haven't started doing, um, in addition to the capacity issues, obviously, Mm. uh, why the lines haven't been doing Bahamas only sailings could be that there are laws in the Bahamas that I just am not privy to that are similar to the Passenger Vessel Services Act, which is the law in the U.S. So, you know, maybe it's a similar thing where they can't just go around the Bahamas or they can't just go around certain other areas in the Caribbean. I don't know. Yeah. If I, something I, like that exists. I'm shocked. You're not, you're not brushed up on your NASA or sorry, your bah- bohemian cabotage <laughs> law knowledge, <laughs> my international shipping policies. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, 
must you must have missed that class in uh, blogging school. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But there is um, there is some hope there. I think the Alaska situation, not to get too much off topic here, sure. but the Alaska situation has really kind of shined another uh, brighter light on the PVSA and why it is so outdated and could really use a bit of change um, coming from the federal level. Yes. Um, because the cruise lines, as I understand it, are working with both the U.S. government and the Canadian government to find a resolution that would allow ships to do Alaska and Canada, New England sailings this year. Um, and if the PVSA is relaxed, even temporarily, it would allow ships to go straight from uh, continental U.S. ports to Alaska and back without calling on a foreign port in between. And it could also allow for cruises to nowhere, which could be a great solution to get a lot of these ships moving again. Yeah, I think there's I, I think everybody when they read about the PVSA and why you can't offer cruises nowhere kind of all come to the same conclusion. Okay, but that's that's silly. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I under like right. you kind of kind of understand the you can read the the legalese behind it, but it still doesn't like it doesn't jive. It doesn't make sense from a I think uh, a practical standpoint here in in 2021. And right. you know what's interesting to me Ashley about that was uh you know first first and foremost I am surprised actually how much support there has been thus far from Congress to at least fight back against it to some extent. Um, yeah. I thought there would be really none because unfortunately the con- the state that's the most at risk with the PVSA right now is Alaska. And Alaska has no political pull at all. I mean it's just it's you know it's got a the small I think it's the smallest population in my, I'm not sure that in Delaware, I'll have to look that up and after the <laughs> podcast. But you know, it's got yeah. it's it's not California, it's not Texas, it's not Florida, it's not New York. It doesn't have a lot of political pull. It doesn't get a lot of attention in the news because Alaska news never gets covered by anybody, right? Um, right. So it's kind of like you know, unfortunately, it just doesn't get the attention. But there's been actually a fair amount of uh, you know political um, wrangling or hand wringing uh, so far related to that, which is good sign. Maybe that will be the option because i think at the end of the day you know two years of nobody going to alaska is going to decimate the 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 businesses over there yeah um i think i i think i read somewhere i think this is the right stat that one in ten um no it has to be more than that some really really high percentage of of um people who live in alaska are employed by the tourism industry oh sure um and I know one of the things that was talked about last year was that even though cruises aren't going there under normal circumstances, they could make up some of that revenue from land-based travel. But since Canada has shut down its land borders as well as its sea you know, borders, it, it's kind of preventing people from Canada from entering Alaska as well um, on a, for, for land-based travel. So, they're really hurting. And um, especially a lot of these places like Skagway and Sitka and Juneau and, and the ports that are heavily dependent on cruise passengers. Um, it really is sad. And I, and, and for as much as the, the issue with Canada closing its borders is affecting Alaska, it's, it also affects Canada, New England sailings, which means that you're not going to see those cruises that are going to Maine and Massachusetts and even New York um, because they can't visit a Canadian port 
before returning to the home port in order to satisfy the PBSA. Yep. It, it's, it's, that's a really good point. And I, 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 I don't know. I mean, like I said, I didn't at the beginning of this or, you know, I, I would say, you know, when, when Canada announced the year long ban, I just thought there was just no hope really for, for it, unless the U S acted to, you know, relent on the PBSA, um, to some extent, but you know, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. I mean, I was trying to, as you were talking, you know, I was thinking it'd be like, you know, essentially closing the borders to Florida and, yeah. you know, Orlando, a tourist town, but, but Florida has such a large population that you could still sustain at least some tourism. Alaska doesn't have that. You've right. It's got such a minute population that yeah. it's kind of like closing Florida, getting rid of everybody in the state and then replacing it with the population of Delaware and having them <laughs> run Disney world. But no, but no tourists. Like, I mean, you can't run that. That's not sustainable. Right. And it's, I, I can't imagine when, let's assume for a second that nothing, there are no cruises to Alaska in 21. Again, the first cruise going back there, assuming you can go back there in 2022 are going to, you go to Juno, it's going to be a ghost town. It's going to be government built. The post office will be open and, yeah. and that, and, and the, and the state park and that's it. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, it, Alaska does have a small population, but what a lot of people don't realize is even within that small population, a large percentage of those people are seasonal workers. So they don't even live there year round. A lot of them come for the tourist season, um, in particular, the cruise season, and then they go elsewhere. So, um, you know, right now, I would assume that because the shops and the restaurants aren't open for tourists, that a lot of those people are not there right now. Um, so, they have even fewer locals to frequent those places and help to keep them afloat. Um, and it's just, it's really a shame. I, I, I don't know how some of these small businesses are going to survive. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, uh, I, I don't know what to say, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Alaska is the 48th state in population. Um, actually smaller, uh, Wyoming is the smallest, uh, okay. followed by Vermont, uh, <laughs> Washington, DC, and poor De- uh, Delaware, I take back all the negative things about Delaware. They're at 45. So they're still, the Dakotas are still way, way less people in those states. So I apologize okay. to all our Delaware listeners. You guys have a very large state. You're, you're right on the heels of Rhode Island, right on the heels. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk about, let's, let's round out our discussion here because obviously the, 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 the cruise port scenario is the reason why I believe that you're seeing obviously ships sailing out of places like, you know, Israel and, uh, Singapore and um, um, Barbados um, is a lot. It's out of it's out of necessity. It's the only option on the table right now. But I wanted to go back to what you said, what you teased earlier inadvertently: the vaccine. Will they or won't they? And uh, I won't put you on the spot yet. I'll let you think about this. My thought has always been with the vaccine that, and this is by the way, this is based on absolutely nothing. It's my own gut instinct. I think they're gonna. I, I'm thinking the cruise. I'm think. I think the cruise lines are hoping the decision will be made for them in the same way that sometimes if you go on a cruise to certain countries, like Russia, Cuba was one of them for sure. You, you needed a passport. There was just nothing you could do about it. That's the country's rules. So real the cruise lines are just like, Hey, don't blame us. This is the rule there. You know, you got to do it. I, I'm wondering, you know, if, if they're kind of hoping the decision will be made for them in that, you know, a certain, whether it's the U S or the Bahamas or wherever, will say you need to have a passport in order to cruise, or sorry, a uh, vaccine in order to cruise, that that would take the decision, the onus off of their hands. I think that would be their best case scenario in terms of like, 
whether or not they want it or not, a whole different issue. But I think it'd be easier for them to sell it as, hey, not our decision. Don't blame us. We're just the people that are bringing you there. But if you want to go, just like that, you need a passport in these countries. You need a vaccine for these countries. Yeah, you could be very right about that. Um, I, I wonder, though, in the same way that you can take a cruise without a passport, if you're going to a certain area and you take your your ID and your birth certificate, um, you know, some people will say, well, can't I can't I go on a cruise um, to a place that requires a passport and just stay on board? Um, you know, so I, I feel like people will will try to skirt that if the if the cruise line says that you need it to go to X, Y, Z countries, but you don't necessarily need the vaccine to go to others. Um, I'm wondering if it will be selective like that or if it will be a mandate across the board. Mm. Um, and as far as, you know, I, I really think it would have to be something that would come from another country because I just don't see the U.S. making that a requirement. Um Right. And if it does, then I think we're getting into even more dangerous territory with the the government playing favorites in terms of travel sector. Um, and what I mean by that is I know we've all seen how hotels are opened again. Airlines never stopped flying their planes. Um, they grounded some of them, but through this whole thing, they've still been operating, whereas the cruise lines have been shut down for almost a full year now. It will be, it'll be a full year in two weeks, yep. which is crazy. Um, and despite all the advancements that these cruise lines have made and all the things they've implemented, they're still not even doing their test sailings yet. So I don't know. I, I think I could see the U S government doing something like mandating vaccines for cruises, but not for other forms of travel, which I think would be awful, but, you know, yeah. not completely unexpected. And, and I think part of that also maybe along those lines also is I think the cruise lines are trying to run the, the clock out now at this point. I feel like the, you know, uh, the only good thing about all these canceled cruises is, you know, most cruise lines, except for Royal Caribbean, as of the recording of this podcast, are canceled uh, through the end of May now. So we're talking about June, right? And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> recording this podcast here in March, you know, a lot of people, a lot of experts, I should say, are predicting, you know, that basically the effect of the vaccine rollout, not talking about requirements, just in general, is going to be that it will stop being a public health emergency at that point. And if it's not a public health emergency at that point, then the CDC really can't hold that over the cruise lines as much anymore. And, you know, basically, the longer this goes, the time is on the side of the cruise lines to basically avoid having to make that decision because it's it's lose-lose no matter which side of the argument you're on right if you're right. if you're someone who wants the who thinks the vaccine is a good idea or should it be let me put it this way if you're someone who thinks the required the vaccine should be required then if they don't require it you'll be upset with what they're doing and if obviously you're on the other side of the fence on that then you'll feel that you know they shouldn't require it but if royal Caribbean doesn't make a decision at all it's the least offensive decision there and maybe that's the other thing that that they're hoping for because, you know, I said earlier, you know, when you came on the podcast a couple months ago, it's if you told me what, what was going to be happening in March one, I was like, Ashley, you're crazy. There's no way that's going to happen. March one that we're going to have three vaccines that we're going to have, you know, like so many things have happened in just a short amount of time. So it doesn't it stands to reason a lot more good things could happen by the time we get to May one, June one. And maybe again, this will all be moot at that point. Yeah. I mean, I know just a few months ago, we were hoping for a restart by the summer, and now I, I'm still hopeful, but 
every every time they announce a new a new restart date that's a month further out, I I get a little more nervous that maybe now we're looking at fall <laughs> instead of summer. Um, but trying to stay positive and. All I know is I can't wait to get back on board. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was I was actually talking to someone actually today about that, and I was like, you know, it would really be nice to write blog posts about actual cruises and <laughs> not just you know, speculation. Yes. What you know, what's 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 someone said or something like that. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they do speculation what? going on right now. <laughs> yep. And when cruises do resume, I am certain there will be a lot of coverage of what is happening over at cruise.blog and you can find Ashley's great work over there. And uh, Ashley, thank you for joining me here on the podcast today. Sure. Thank you for having me. It is time yet again to answer your listener emails. If you want to send me your email to be read right here on the podcast, send it to Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Our first email is from Brett in Arizona. He used to be in New Hampshire. He writes, I had a cruise booked out of Vancouver for August of this year. After Canada banned cruise ships until 2022, my travel agent sent me an email with four options. Option one, just wait until there's an official update or cancellation. Option two, move your booking into the future on the same ship. Option three, 125% cruise credit. And option four, refund. I picked to get the 125% cruise credit. I believe that was the best option, but I'm am I missing something? Thanks. Brett, great email. And listen, you know, this decision, whether when it, your cruise is canceled or in Brett's case, not canceled, but kind of canceled, but maybe canceled, who knows? You know, it's there isn't a bad decision to make. I think especially now, there was a lot of concern, you know, in the mid and late 2020 that, you know, well, what if the cruise line goes out of business and... And, you know, you'll have cruise credits. It'll be useless. You'll lose out on your money. I really believe that's not going to be the case. I think we we can clearly see now um, with some of the uh, the way things are moving, both in terms of the virus as well as vaccines and as well as also where the company is going. And uh, after Royal Caribbean's fourth, fourth quarter uh, 2020 earnings, that bankruptcy is really I, – I, I don't think it's ever off the table, but I think it's really off the table. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I don't think that concern is really valid anymore. And for me, listen, man, if you're not hurting for that money, Brett, if you're not like, you know, boy, that thousand dollars they put down or whatever, I really need it because I got to, you know, pay for my kids braces kind of thing. You know, as long as you're not hurting for it, the 125% future credit are, is the best way to go because it's free money. You know, I mean, there's always the argument about lift and shift because lift and shift protects the price you paid, which if you know you want to book something different, okay, that's a different argument. But yeah, the 125% gives you maximum flexibility and it also gives you extra money. And hey, extra money ain't bad. So I think it's a great choice, Brett. And I hope that you, uh, you, uh, you, you actually get to go on the whatever cruise you end up booking again. Cause that would be fantastic. Next, we have an email from Calvin, AKA Lanto Calribian. <laughs> right, I love the name. Hi Matt. I really think you should put more emphasis on the word good. When you say use a good travel agent. I say this because when my May 9th, 2020 cruise on symphony of the seas was canceled way back in March, I was notified within a few hours by Michelle of MEI Travel, shameless plug, of its cancellation. Though I was already aware of the cancellation and already drowning my sorrows in a good bottle of rum, I thought to myself, wow, that was really nice of her to let me know that. By the way, did I mention Michelle wasn't even my travel issue for this booking? As a matter of fact, I haven't done any business, nor have I ever spoken to her before. What I did once was inquire about a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. We exchanged an email and that I'm in which I must have mentioned my May sailing. She obviously made a note of the information feeling that was important. 
Fast forward two days later, I received an email from my actual travel agent informing me of the canceled cruise. Because I wasn't quite sure when everything was going on with the pandemic, my wife and I decided to take the refund instead of the future cruise credit. It took about 45 days to receive the credit and to our dismay, the amount was short several hundred dollars. We contacted our travel agent who said she would look into it. Weeks went by and we heard nothing. Sent another email, got back the response, I'm still looking into it. Matt, months went by and several more emails. Though she responded to all of them, we were still getting nowhere. I then tried contacting Royal Caribbean myself and they said I would need to work with my agent because we couldn't see all the pertinent information. Finally, I sent an email to the person who looked to be a possible supervisor in the agency. We exchanged a few emails. Within a few weeks, I received my total balance. Remember, the email st started in May of 2020 and I received my final balance in March, or sorry, January of 2021. There were other bumps along the way, not related to the refund, but I'm not trying to pile on for the sake of trying to make my point. Although I am grateful for the help of the second agent, I still can't get past the fact that Michelle reached out to me long before anyone else that I was actually working with. Once we get back to some form of normalcy, I'll definitely be booking more cruises, and I look forward to working with my new travel agent, Michelle, and seeing you on the high seas on a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. Thanks for keeping us all informed and helping us make sense of it all. Remember, good travel agent. Calvin, this is a great email. Yes, it's a shameless plug. Full disclosure, Calvin said it. I'm saying it too. But... It's a great point. Not all travel agents are made the same. This is a very important point, and I think Calvin is onto something here, that no matter which travel agency you use, that I am a big advocate that I think everyone should use a travel agent, but I'm also a firm believer that not all travel agents are the same. I think any travel agent should probably admit that. They may not think that they're the, the bad one by any means, the, the, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I think that there are definitely a difference between a good travel agent and, and just travel agents in general. And when things go right, you know, back pre COVID, the distinction was not as apparent because in most cases, your cruise is going to go off fine. You're, I mean, canceled cruises were very rare, you know, more often than not, statistically speaking, you were going to book a cruise. You were going to go on the cruise. You were going to have a pretty good time and not have to really, you know, incur too much uh, of the, of the services of a travel agent, though you certainly could have. Right. Um, and in my experience, honestly, before, before the whole shutdown, I, you know, I've, I've had issues, you know, here and there and, and my travel agent has been able to step in, but you know, I booked so many cruises that, you know, that I, I'm definitely an outlier, right? So to Calvin's point, I think the shutdown has exemplified the importance of a very good travel agent. I loved hearing what the, obviously the level of service you got from an agency you're not even using, but that really does. I think it's a great microcosm of what Calvin and I are trying to say. There is a difference between a good travel agent and a good travel agent. And that's really what we're talking about here. And our last email this week comes to us from Mark. Right? Given the high divorce rate due to COVID, <laughs> what happens to a divorcing couple's points? Do they carry on with the same amounts? So this is a really good question. I didn't know the answer to this question, but I do have a friend. I'm not going to name the friend's name. You know who you are, friend. I, don't, I just don't know if you want your publicly information out here. So I have a friend. We'll call our friend, um, we'll call our friend uh, Rick, not his actual name. And I asked Rick what would, uh, you know, about the scenario, because I know that Rick went through this exact scenario. And Rick said, in theory, when the two accounts are unlinked, each person would have the status based on their individual points. So, you know, obviously as a married couple, whoever has the highest status, let's say, you know, uh, Rick had at a crude status for Diamond Plus based on his sailings, but his wife had, you know, obviously she'd be Diamond Plus because she was married to him, but Rick's wife would, you know, only cruised on enough sailings to make it to, to Platinum. 
after the divorce, theoretically, Rick would say a diamond plus and Rick's wife would go back to, uh, to, to platinum. But according to Rick, in practice, depends on who the rep is. In his case, once he realized that his ex was still linked to him in Royal Caribbean system, Royal Caribbean finally split them up and her individual point level should have dropped her back to her old status, that being diamond. But they left her a diamond plus with enough points uh, regardless, even though she hadn't actually sailed on there. So, and he also points out, Rick points out that I've also known folks who went back to try their points, but they were allowed to keep the higher level. So like a lot of policies with Royal Caribbean, it depends. Uh, there's no tried and true uh, necessarily thing out there. There's the, of course the written rule and then there's the practice of it. But Mark, I hope that answers your your, your question there. And I, it's a, probably, I don't think we've ever talked about this particular topic. So I think it's worthy of mentioning here on the podcast. So thank you for that. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can send it to uh, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.